All right, what is up? Welcome back to the Aspiring Adult Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Smiles. And this week we are continuing with our Becoming series, which is a series about people who have founded their own businesses or fostered passion projects. This week we have on Jillian Arnold, the founder of Jilly Cakes. You can follow Jilly Cakes on Instagram at G-I-L-L-Y Cakes, or you can find her business at www.jillycakes.com and you can also see all of the beautiful and amazing cakes that she's ever baked including my very own birthday cake i'm very excited to have her on the show please enjoy let's meet jilly cakes good i'm kind of realizing i look like a little bald boy um but i'm just gonna move move past that we're (laughs) into the slick clean girl bun we're trying that out Um, i love it how are things going how is california california is good we are in an unusually cold spell right now we have had more rain this year than we have had in probably that i can even remember in the last like eight years so Yeah, it's been like gloomy and rainy, but everything's super pretty and green. And also cold for us is like the high was like 65 today and I'm in a turtleneck and a sweater. Meanwhile, I'm in Boston and it is still a balmy 35 degrees. (laughs) That's brutal. I'm not used to that anymore. No, and honestly, I don't know. Like there is something to be said about having all four seasons. I do truly appreciate it. But on my walks into work, I'm just wondering why, like, why yeah. is it worth it? Like, yeah. I I can't be wearing my parka. It's almost April. Like, I thought <laughs> that spring has sprung. Is spring not sprung? No, it has yet to sprung. It's so weird to think about how all of our lives have just taken so many different paths. But it's fun to get to, like, do things like this and catch up and see what, what everyone's up to. I know I'm so and been, I feel like I've been catching up with you because I listen to you <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and I'm like your little cheerleader <laughs> oh thank you no I'm so excited to hear about because I really haven't caught up with you since graduation really yeah I'm super excited to have you on obviously having you on I wanted to talk about jelly cakes and get to know a little bit about your business but also want to know like what you're up to today what is jelly cakes doing now gosh that's a good way to start right I am currently like located in Santa Barbara, California, mm-hmm. um, central coast of California. It's about like an hour and a half north of LA. Could not be happier. This is like a literal dream place to live. I am like a few miles from the beach and also like drive through the mountains every day to get to work. So it's pretty unreal. That's kind of a hallmark yeah, but movie. Also, you know, like it com- like everybody in California is like mad at the weather right now because they're like, we don't pay for this. And I'm like, okay, calm down. Calm down. <laughs> It'll pass people. It'll pass. <laughs> yeah. So I have been working in the wine industry since I graduated, graduated what? 2021. May yep. of 2020. I know. It seems like yesterday, but also 10 years ago. Yes. <laughs> and that May, after we graduated, I got my first job working for a winery up in the Santa Rita Hills, which is the western edge of Santa Barbara County wine country. So if people know wine country, that might mean something to them. But um, <laughs> I worked with them for a year and a half. And then moved down to Santa Barbara, 
worked for another winery in a tasting room manager position after that called Marjoram Wine Company. So I was there for the last another year. And then last and at these wineries, what are you doing? Like the taste room manager. What what does she do? So in my first, in my first position, I was more of a tasting room sales associate. So basically what that means is you're, I was hosting tastings um, on a day-to-day basis. That winery was located on an estate property, meaning like where you're pouring the wine is where the grapes are grown is where the wine is made it's all on one property and that's not the case for all of them like there's little towns in Santa Barbara and the like surrounding cities that have like tasting rooms which is where I'm working in now which is basically like a location for the winery to pour their wine and sell their wine Mm -hmm. but there's no winemaking facilities on the property because that's really expensive to like have a piece of land big enough in California to like grow the grapes, make the wine and pour the wine all together. Which for me, it's such a wild concept. I don't understand how real estate in California is as expensive as it is because California is so massive. To me, it makes sense that like Boston has really expensive real estate because you don't have much space to go. And New York City has a lot of expensive real estate but california is massive the the state is huge like what insane and especially here in santa barbara county there's so many like land planning like laws and like permits and like how much agricultural land you have to have on your property versus like land that you can build homes on and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um because there's so much like protected agricultural land up here as well. So basically I'll stop getting on a tangent, but I, I poured wine in the tasting room. So I was, I was basically like a wine educator, you could Mm -hmm. say. So customers would come and have varying interests and knowledge in wine. And my job would be to pour for them and answer their questions. And, and ultimately it is a sales role. Mm -hmm. So your job is to sell wine. You oftentimes make commission and tips on sales. So the first winery I worked for, I unintentionally took on like a management role, but wasn't necessarily acknowledged for that the position work. I had taken on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's oftentimes how this industry works is like in your role as a tasting room sales associate, you wear a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. And me being somebody who doesn't like to sit on the sidelines, I, t- I would kind of jump into things and, and be like, Oh my God, of course, I'd be happy to do all this. I'd be happy mm-hmm. to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then getting to the point where you're like, okay, so um, none of this is being acknowledged or appreciated. Nor so. do I have the capacity to take anything else on. And now you're <laughs> expecting me to take all these things on while simultaneously doing all the things that I just volunteered to help you with. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, also, where even is my job description? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of what happened with the first place. And also, at that point, my first year, I was living not in downtown Santa Barbara yet. I was living in a little bit further out and I was super isolated. All the people I worked with were twice my age and they were Mm -hmm. lovely. And I got along with them super well. Like I loved them all, but also it gets to a point where I'm like, I need to be making friends my age. Right. So that was definitely the hardest part for me. Like the first year of me being up here, like I felt really isolated. I wasn't super happy. I... I knew I was good at my job, but I didn't really like feel fulfilled in any other aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
and I think the baking thing kind of comes into play there because I didn't like that is an aspect of my life where I always found like such like a purpose in that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even have that because I didn't even have anyone to share it with. So that first year was hard. And then I ended up, I was working full-time at Pence and then ended up moving to Santa Barbara. And on my days off at Pence, I would work at this other tasting room here called Marjoram. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was working seven days a week for like three months. Wow. Yeah. And that was not sustainable. No. And I imagine knowing you, you're not working at your standard eight hour day. <laughs> you're working a good 12 hours. You're putting yeah. a good 12 hours, seven oh. days a week. Yeah, it was hard. But that taste room ended up offering me a full-time management position that the other winery wasn't offering. Oh, wow. Awesome. So yeah. So I was an assistant tasting room manager there and um, working more closely with our wine club members who are our like higher end clientele, I guess, mm-hmm. more loyal customers. So you just want to like pay a little extra special attention to them. VIP, if you will. VIP, if you will. And it was, and that was great. It was the Santa Barbara wine scene was definitely different than the wine scene I was um, working up in, like on an estate property, because this time we're like downtown Santa Barbara, which is an area called the Funk Zone, which is more what they call like urban wine tasting rooms. Okay. So it's not like wine country. It's like a city that has tasting rooms where you can go and taste. Um, like an upscale brewery, if you will. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But like less rustic and more like shishi. Shishi. Okay. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And, and and the Santa Barbara wine tasting scene is like more like wine bar vibes, mm. I would say. Okay. So like a lot like younger demographic, not necessarily people who are coming and like buying cases and cases of wine. So the volume of customers was a lot, but the quality of the customer wasn't necessarily there in terms of like people. So less VIPs. Less VIPs. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but also what does a VIP mean? I mean, like in the wine world, like I love educating people on wine. So if Mm -hmm. somebody wants to like listen and ask questions, like I'll talk to you all day, every day about it, no matter how how much money money you're spending. Yeah. So that's what I really like about it. But that I didn't necessarily get that that much at Marjoram, but also, yeah. And then what brings me to where, what brings me to where I am now is Two months ago, I reached out to this lady named Sunshine. That is her literal birth given name. That is such a California thing. Only ca- I feel like She's California. From Ohio. And- no way. That's a lie. I know. She went to the Ohio State. And wow. I was like, Ohio connection. <laughs> <laughs> I also yeah. lived in a cornfield, Miss Sunshine. <laughs> she is a winemaker here in Santa Barbara County. And she... I've always loved her wines and her energy and her as a person. And I've just like looked up to the business that she has created. And so um, my friends and I had always said, like, if we were to pick a dream person to work for, it would be her. And so like six months ago, that's what I was manifesting because, you know, things weren't all rainbows and butterflies in my current in my job I was at previously and things weren't all sunshine if you know you want to go that route. <laughs> it really was not. And so I had scheduled a meeting with her and sat down with her for like an hour or two. And she offered me the job on the spot to be her first employee she's ever hired. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. That's so I've huge. been there for a month now and I could not be happier. And so now yeah. you're the first employee. So probably back to wearing all those hats again. And are you totally. still working at the one Marjoram? Marjoram. No, no so full time for Miss Sunshine. Full-time for Miss Sunshine. Full-time. 
That's yeah. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. And, and, you know, after that first year, once I moved down to Santa Barbara, I met more people my age working at Marjoram. And then, you know, I found a really great group of people here and like found my home here. And, um, and I wouldn't have been able to meet Sunshine had I not met the other people I've met here in Santa Barbara. Um, they're a big reason of like why I have that connection with Sunny and everything. So, um, so yeah, so I, I feel really lucky. I've been with her for a month. I'm her tasting room manager and brand ambassador. Amazing. Um, which again, <laughs> titles, are, titles are such a funny thing. Oh, a hundred percent. I am a title that I never thought even existed uh, when I graduated college, considering that I wanted to be an engineer and engineer is such like a broad term and encompasses yeah. a lot of things. And then almost immediately shift into a different position called a customer success manager. That wow. sounds made up. That sounds like I work <laughs> at like Chuck E. Cheese or something. Like it's, when I heard this title, I was, is that something we can work on? Is that, is that we're cemented with that? Okay, cool. Titles are a really weird and finicky thing. And yeah. especially because I feel like after college you attribute so much of your identity to your major and your major was extremely unique so Miami also had the unique opportunity which I'll let you talk more to because you definitely know more about it uh, but we had the unique opportunity to kind of create your own major so yeah. what did you end up majoring in in college yeah so I went into college undecided um but like had this idea in my head that I would like be in the business school because that's a useful thing to have. Um, and that, and turns out that's like much harder than you think. And I've never really been somebody who like, I feel like college was more of a growing opportunity for me as like an individual human being. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really look at it as like, oh my gosh, I need to get the best grades. I need to, you know, I just, that wasn't me. I'm like, mm -hmm. I just need to make it through. I just need to graduate with a degree and, and go on to work a career that I'm happy about. Yeah. Um, the way I always looked at it. And I feel very grateful that I have parents that were very supportive in that as well. Um, because they never put pressure on me to like get the fanciest title and fanciest name or whatever degree on my diploma or whatever yep. were like you just gotta make it through and I was like perfect C's get degrees you know Done. <laughs> um and so I took a lot of business classes um and then it got to the point and like psychology classes I was really interested in psychology and it got to the point like after my freshman year where you had to start like really kind of deciding what you were going to do. And I ended up stumbling upon what Miami calls the Western program, mm -hmm. which is more commonly, I think referred to as the individualized studies program. Uh, it's like a very liberal artsy part of, of our already like liberal arts college. <laughs> um, there was a lot of really, really unique, interesting people. Um, and, the least. Most, and most of my classes in the Western program were, and I hate that I say that with quotes because it was a thing, but like yep. most of the classes were like six people. Yeah. Um, so when you were in like your engineering classes with like a lot more people. Lost. Dude, we had like 30, but like, yeah. it was not, yeah. we were <laughs> yeah, not a business. True. Yeah. We weren't a business class where there was 120 or like 200 yeah. people per lecture. Like, definitely six is a way like knock but engineering was not that <laughs> yeah yeah that so 
It was super small. And it was also stationed out of Peabody Hall on Miami University's campus, which is like also the furthest point of campus. And it's also haunted. Mm-hmm. And it also, um, yeah, and all of our classes were on like the fourth floor of that building um, for our major. Perfect. But we only had like a few classes within the major. And a lot of them were just we're more like working with your advisor in the individualized studies program to hone in what exactly you wanted to focus on. Mm -hmm. So what my title for my major ended up being was, um, oh my gosh, I, I wrote this down because like, I always, I always like get to this point and then I'm like, what exactly did I do? Okay. So my title was small business administration and global wine studies. Okay. So yeah. that is a mouthful. And so yeah. definitely difficult to kind of keep track of. But yeah. at the same time, it's kind of funny because that's exactly what you are and like yeah. your personality trait to a T. And definitely circles back to your theme of doing what you're passionate about and not just doing things to do things. Totally. Totally. It all had a purpose. And mm-hmm. I hated I hated taking classes that didn't have a purpose. And this program made it so I intentionally picked every single class that I was interested in t- for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And like, there was a lot of requirements you have to fill, like humanities requirement and things like that. But like, I had flexibility in that. And I also had flexibility in my study abroad program. And, and that every single class I took in study abroad counted towards my major. And you were in kind of wine country there as well. Yeah. So... Definitely makes sense as to why that would kind of translate because I feel like the cultural experience of that and getting in touch with people just talking about wine so frequently is credit enough, period. Well, I took like full on wine courses there. Like in in my study abroad program in France, I ended up receiving, which like I didn't even go into it seeking this, but they just like gave it to me because of all the wine classes I took, a global wine certificate. Again, (laughs) I took 10 a.m. wine classes where I tasted wine and like learned all about it. It was amazing. Yeah. But, but I got, it was all part of my degree. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, yeah. I remember like, it is not surprising to me at all that you're getting into this industry and that you're so passionate about it. Cause I remember senior year, you would come back to our house with these massive boxes of wine. And you're like, everybody, we're going to do a wine tasting and we're all here hammered on these wine tastings and you're telling us about the nodes and the different tastes that we should be tasting and if we swig it this way then it's going to taste like this and I was just sitting there I was like how does she know all of this because when I'm interested in something I go full force into it I'm not a half-assed kind of gal I didn't want to sit in a stats class so that's why I didn't want to be in the business school I'm like no yeah. And that's that's fair enough. And I think with that element of entrepreneurship almost with like so, small businesses, were you hoping to tie in like a baking element to that or were you hoping to kind of bake a branch in like the wine industry? What were you aiming to do with that portion or was it kind of just an interest that you had? Yeah, so when I first joined the individualized studies program, I had joined it with the intention of my senior year. So like the part of the program is like, you're working towards this like senior year project where you basically write a massive paper and present this like big thing about everything you've been working on in that major, um, which could be anything you pick. But mm-hmm. I and I started going into it with 
creating a business plan to execute Jilly Cakes as a business post-grad. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like when I went into it, I hadn't even gone to my abroad program yet. And so I Mm -hmm. didn't know I wanted to be in the wine industry until I went abroad. So like my first few semesters of it were all me like in these like entrepreneurship classes and like small business. Miami had these like online classes that were small business administration classes. Oh, okay. So like each different, and it was all online, which was super, it was convenient. Each different assignment and like module was you like building a business plan and you could do it on whatever you wanted. So I would just do it on Jilly Cake. I never found myself to be a very organized business woman. My thought in my mind was like, I'm going to hire an accountant to do all the money stuff because I'm bad at that. <laughs> fair, fair. I'm bad with the numbers. I'll do everything else. I'll bake whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, no, and like I all the creative stuff and like the planning and the like strategic, like, you know, organization of it all, I mm-hmm. felt confident in. But as soon as it came to like r- crunching numbers, I was like, Definitely. that's where I didn't succeed. Um, and that's where Jilly Cake <laughs> no. still isn't a financially successful company. Because <laughs> I don't well, know my own. Are you baking yeah. again now that you are in an environment where you're with more people? Yeah. Yeah. So now I get, I, I mean, now baking is solely just a passion project because mm-hmm. because it's back to the way it was when I started when I was a kid. It's me baking because I want to, to share with friends and, and a little bit here and there now with my new job, I've gotten to like share with some of our club members for like different events that we put on. Mm-hmm. I bake like little like goodie bag treats and things like that. So I think it could branch into something with my new job, but 100%. Um, yeah, just like cookies and like cute little decorative goodie bags and things like that. I mean, and like maybe in the tasting room, like one day a week, I'll like have a little like pop up or something. Yeah. Sell like chili cakes, cookies or things like that. So I don't mm-hmm. know. We'll see. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely a good thing to just have because as soon as you, people start eating it, they start talking about it and they share it. Definitely a really good environment to get that brewing because, yeah. I mean, you're drinking. You might as well be eating, right? You might as well. You might as well. Exactly. And so with the baking portion, like how did Jilly Cakes kind of come to fruition? How did you decide that that was something? Number one, how did you figure out that you were good at baking? That's something that's... So I baked from a young age and I... And my, so my mom was always in the kitchen growing up and, and I grew, I grew up, you know, loving being in the kitchen with her and she was an amazing cook. And so I felt like she would always cook and I would always bake. And so I would like, I would do the sweet things and she would do the savory things. And I would mostly just bake for like friends and family, friends and family birthday cakes and stuff like that. But it it is hard to gauge like whether you're actually good at it or people are just telling you. Because it's a sweet thing. Like no one's gonna be like, oh, this cake kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah, literally. (laughs) And and also I focused a lot on like aesthetically looking pleasing. Pleasing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I always 
wanted to like find that balance between something that looked pretty but tasted even better than it looked like that was always a goal of mine like I wanted people to like cut in like be like oh my god I don't want to cut into this but cut into it and be like oh my god I'm gonna destroy that whole cake you know what I mean oh yeah (laughs) I had a jelly cake I know my my birthday cake was a jelly cake I know (laughs) I know and that was the goal and honestly my mom is my harshest critic and I say that with the most love in my heart for this woman but she's not somebody to be like you're my kid so I'm just gonna tell you you're amazing and everything you do is amazing she's like you're my kid and I want you to succeed in life Mm -hmm. and so I'm gonna tell you like it is and she's like you know that's not your best work and so I think that I I think that I genuinely recipe tested on her till Mm -hmm. till I got her approval that's gonna be the best way to do it yeah so I don't think I really knew if I was actually good or if I was just making things that people were like oh this little girl is baking cookies yum you know yeah until until my mom was like okay yeah she's like yeah you should make those and bring them into your class and we should have a bake sale and little things like that you know Mm -hmm. and then recognition from people and people close to me was really important for me realizing that I could actually um, start selling cakes to people who I had never even met before. Yeah. So what was, was the first cake that you like sold? Yeah. So it's probably, I, I grew up in like a fairly small town. So it's one of those things where like, you kind of know everyone, but you don't really know, know everyone. Yeah. So it was definitely like, like a parent of somebody in my class or something like that, like ordering a birthday cake. But I don't, I'm not sure I really even knew how to like, make a profit yeah no that's a hard thing to try and consider I remember just googling like crazy what to charge for a cake and nobody puts that it's it's so dependent on so many factors that nobody just you can't google maybe you can now but like what 10 years ago when I was doing this you can't just google like how much to charge for an eight inch cake and and things come up it was all like Mm -hmm. It was a lot of like wedding cake prices. So it's like charging per slice and things like that. And I'm like, I'm not charging per slice. Like this isn't a wedding cake. And so mm-hmm. I think I would just come up with a number like 40 bucks. Yeah. And, and and just like use that and be like, well, I hope I at least like spend less on groceries than I'm charging this person. Yeah. Because and- I mean, it's not like you're buying Betty Crocker's cake mix. <laughs> no, it was a lot. And, and also... I was, I would go to this like local cake shop. So I would buy like a box and a, and a, like a round board for it to travel in and like things like that for every single cake. Mm -hmm. And I think I could have been like buying that stuff in bulk and probably saving money. But, um, but I, I didn't have that outlook on it at that point. I was just doing it for fun. And I liked how people liked what I was giving them. And I was creeping on your Instagram for jelly cakes and uh-huh. saw that you did like a cookie decorating or like cake decorating. Yeah. Group work with a bunch of younger kids. Was that something that kind of was inspired after making your first cakes for sale? And did you charge people for this event? So the cake classes, it must have been like a summer in between college or something um, when I like needed something to do. And I and I always worked at like a summer camp during the summer. And so this must have been like I needed to do something else other than just that. And I was like, 
I love teaching people things and I like, mm-hmm. and I really like kids. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, that'd be fun. And a good way to make some money to do like kids cake decorating classes. So I think I ended up doing three classes. It was a lot of work for me because oh, I, I believe that. And, and that was another thing. It's like, I wish, and, and looking back on it, like I had fun throughout all of it. So it's totally worth it. But I wish I knew about like charging for my time back then. That was something I was never good at. I didn't like put a, a value on how much my time was worth. Mm-hmm. And so I never charged for that. But, but yeah, the cake classes were so much fun. I baked all the layers and like prepped all the frosting and everything. So the kids just came in and they, and I like gave them kind of a design we were working on and we all did it together. And then they got to take their cake home with them. Oh my gosh. Um, so much fun. Yeah. And I, and I think it'd be, and I did one like adult class and it ended up being like my mom and her friends and like my sisters, Mm -hmm. which was so fun anyways, but I would love to incorporate that again and like do some sort of like, like wine and cake decorating event or something like that. That would be Um, so like, I feel like that's a natural progression, especially because there's a lot of those sip and paint classes and things like that, that people love a little activity while they're learning about wine. Like you could teach them wine while you're also teaching them about baking. Shout out to Miami (laughs) for prepping you for both of those things. (laughs) I know. See ya. (laughs) Yeah. So it was fun. I, I loved that stuff. I haven't sold a cake in a long time though. Since college. Yeah. Is that the last time? And I imagine it was from all the 21st birthday. It was endless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably the last time I like actually sold a cake. Like I've made cakes, but mm-hmm. it's been more just like family and family friends and stuff. Yeah. Um, With all of the cakes that you made in college, after learning from not charging for your time in that summer period, did yeah. you charge for your time in college or was that something that you were still kind of navigating? Still navigating. Yeah. Yeah. And it especially was because it like takes away from your study time. Totally. Yeah. I, um, always had a hard time navigating that, be- especially because I was selling these cakes to college students and I would, and something that I think is also important to remember is your target audience doesn't have to be yourself. Meaning like I, I would never spend $75 on a cake. But I also am not the person I'm baking for. Maybe mm-hmm. the people I'm baking for can throw that down, you know? Yep. And so I need to set that standard. And that's mm-hmm. a really important thing that I I wish I had known back then was like setting that standard for myself of like, this is, I feel like this is the quality that of cake of thing that I am providing. And this is what it's worth. And if you don't want that, that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to. And for it. everyone listening, Jilly went above and beyond for these birthday cakes. These are the birthday cakes that you see on Pinterest that all of the cool Pinterest moms have pinned and sent to their 21 year old daughter, 18 year old daughter. It's the, what is it, three or four tiered cake. Yeah. And it was whatever the girls normally, it was a girl. Um, yeah. Her favorite cake flavor was. And it was like decorated either like confetti style or there were sprinkles along 
along the sides and there was always a Barbie on top. So that means Jilly had to go to the store, buy a singular Barbie, stick it on a cake and she had little nips on the cake. She would get a little fun banner to put on the cake that said happy 21st birthday or some like quirky little sign. Yeah. Above and beyond for cakes. Like, you could not buy this shit at the Walmart that we had located in Oxford, Ohio. I couldn't, like, buy Barbies in bulk because I I bought the Barbie that looked like the girl. And if the hair was different, I would give the Barbie a haircut. I would be, like, like, chopping Barbie's hair, straightening Barbie's hair, curling Barbie's hair. Like, legit. I don't know why. I ordered the toppers always came from Amazon. And I sent the girls, like, options. Like, some said, like, I'm 21, bitches. And some were, like, yay, 21. And, like, more, like, I don't know. They all said different things. So I gave them options of that. And, and I also didn't have a car. So I would most times bus to Walmart. Hop on the like BCRTA or whatever bus system was in Oxford. Bus to Walmart to pick up the Barbie. Bus Which to is a trek, everyone. Barbie. That's a trek. It was That's a, trek. a good thirty-minute bus ride. Yeah, and like and then, public and transit then with cake the, mix. Yeah, and like I would go to the liquor, and you can't, and it's not like California where you can get liquor wherever you want. It's like you had to go to the state liquor store to get all these mini bottles of alcohol, and I would pick the alcohol that the girl liked too. It was an ordeal, and I was charging people like fifty bucks. And honestly, you should have been charging at least a hundred. I know, like that is so like so much attention to detail so much people pleasing and although learning experience and it is a passion but still like that is a lot of energy yeah but I loved it like Mm -hmm. like I only have fun like I'm not I don't sit here today thinking like oh how much more money could I have now if I you know like I don't because because I think if I had chosen to worry about that it wouldn't have been as enjoyable as it was. And and that was always my, and that's always been my balance throughout this whole thing. When it's not fun anymore, it's not worth it because it mm-hmm. is a passion project. This isn't mm-hmm. my deal and all. And maybe one day if it becomes something, that would be awesome. But to stress about all the little things makes it not fun for me anymore. Realizing that things that might necessarily been impactful as a business decision aren't necessarily impactful for your happiness and your fulfillment of said passion project and having that carry into other aspects of your life especially like if you are interested in continuing the passion project and potentially making it profitable at, at some point like taking that mentality forward yeah and I think at that point I've always known that once my business does get to that point, I want to have a team mm-hmm. of people who help me. Our our friend Steph is a great example of this. She's somebody who I can get talking to about my business ideas and dreams and things I'm doing. And like, even in college, she was always like, Jillian, you need an Excel spreadsheet. She's like, you need an Excel sheet with these things and these things. And I was like, yeah, that's brilliant. I need to do that so that I have a successful business. But, uh, but it got to the point where I was like, or I was like, I don't want to worry about this. So like, I want to get to the point where they where I can hire a Steph and like pay this person who is, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to afford our friend Steph, but, um, <laughs> 
But no, like, what you, know, you need right now is a you, but a finance version of you that just yes. loves to people please and loves to just yeah. help out, but is very financially responsible <laughs> in the sense that there are the ones on the Excel sheet and they're yes. the ones thinking, okay, Jilly, we're going to drive to the grocery store one time. We're going to yeah. buy in bulk all of these items. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, And the thing is like, I like, these are things I know, but I just, I just, when it, when it comes to jelly cakes, just not something I ever wanted to worry about um, because the baking part of it and the, the joy that I get from people's joy in the, in the cake, it was so worth it to me. Yeah. Because that was honestly one of my fondest memories in college. I remember on my, what was it? My 22nd. Yeah. It was such a fun. And I had no idea that you were even baking me a cake. I don't, maybe I did. I don't even remember, but I I just remember the cake showing up. It's literally this smiley face and my jaw was on the floor. I was like, Oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever experience in my entire life I took a bazillion pictures of the cake with the cake with you and the cake you cutting the cake the whole experience is documented I'll have to post about it when I hear this episode but it was honestly one of like the peak moments which is so weird to say because I am not a food-centric person at all I don't know what is with me. I, like, I don't know. I just get hyper fixated on something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then I just continue doing it. But again, like not a food centric person, not at all. But that was one of the moments in college where I was like, this is the best thing. Number one, that I've ever seen. Number two, that I've ever eaten. And there's documentation, so much <laughs> documentation to prove that. And so I think that really is just a testament to like how impactful your cakes were to people because I wasn't alone in that birthday transaction. Like there are so many other girls. If you scroll through our friends and our friends of friends, their Instagram accounts, I'm sure there's a jelly cake on their Instagram page. Either their friend had a jelly cake that they took a picture of because they were like, wow, that's an amazing cake. I'm going to post it on my Instagram or it's their cake. And they're like, I can't wait for everyone to see this amazing cake that I had. Yeah. It's such a special thing. And I don't, and I don't know if I still to this day really realize like how, I mean, thank you so much for saying that. Cause I don't think I ever really realized like how much of an impact it really makes on somebody's like birthday. I always just think it's like, you know, it's part of the birthday experience, but, mm-hmm. but itself, the cake itself, like being, being a thing. Um, yeah. Well, I think that think with about. you putting so much of your attention to detail and energy and all that stuff that you're not having people pay for like those intangible assets are what make the cake so great because they're so personalized they're very unique it's not just oh this is like my off the shelf like 21st birthday which you could do and sell at like a lower price and then the more personalized ones are more expensive just a business idea yeah Um, no that's smart ultimately having that attention to detail then provides for the like the customer which I guess is how I would describe it the enjoyer the user I don't know (laughs) the person eating the cake then everyone else around it to feel that like joy and pride and then to have you witness that is just another element on top of that because a lot of the times it was like some of our friends that were being baked for at least them posting on Instagram if you baked for someone in school yeah, there was one time in college where I got a complaint about a cake and and this was three years ago and I will never forget it. 
Wow. What did, what was the complaint? So I had made a cake prior for one of their friend's birthdays and it was a great cake. It was, it was the Barbie doll cake, but it, but it was a cute cake. And so, um, and then I, and then I was asked to make another cake for one of their other 21st, a few months later. Um, and the ask was really unique. Like the, the color scheme that they were going for and the words that they wanted written on it were all really different from when I, from what I typically did, but mm-hmm. I wanted, and I did it. I mean, yeah. I executed what she asked for. She paid for the cake. She picked up the cake. The birthday had happened. And I got a text the next day saying that it wasn't what she was expecting. And it wasn't the quality that she had seen from me before. Wow. And And what did you respond? I refunded her. Wow. Yeah. I was devastated. I felt terrible. And I still think about it to this day. Yeah. I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. that it wasn't what she wanted mm-hmm. but I remember conversation around it being like this is what she asked for so it was what they asked for no it wasn't I, I it's not the proudest cake it's not the cake I've been the proudest of and so that's why I gave a full that's why I gave a refund because um because I have my because like going back to circling back to the beginning of this I have my mom in my head you know Mm-hmm. My mom is my toughest critic. And I look at that cake and I say, would my mom look at this cake and be like, great job, Jillian. Um, yeah. And for that one, she wouldn't have. Yeah. She might have been that's... like, that's ugly. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the hard part of, I think, being a people pleaser and also working in the service industry. Totally. You want to make sure it's such a fine line because you want to make sure that the customer is getting what they want, but at the same time, standing your ground and being confident and saying, this isn't typically what I do. Are you sure that this is what you want? And yeah. just making sure, because I'm sure that the cake, I've, I've not seen it, but yeah. I'm sure that it was great and it was stellar and they all enjoyed it and they ate the whole thing. It's not yeah. like they like spit it out. There were eggshells in it. I don't perceive that as being a thing that you would ever do. But at the same time, it's really hard not to just give that full refund because yeah. what else are you to do? Like, you don't know, like, you don't know what is really going on. And again, circling back to wanting to be a people pleaser, you don't want to disrupt your clientele because if totally. they tell their friends, Jilly made a terrible cake and she made me pay for it, then no one else is going to yeah. go into you. So it's like kind of one of those difficult things that how do you navigate that? Yeah, it was hard. So that will, but that'll stick with me. And it's, and it's a learning thing. And so, I mean, part of that is that, no, I I have not, there are bad cakes. There are bad, you know, batches of things. Like there are things that I've thrown out. There are, Mm -hmm. there are times where a cake has completely crumbled and I just stand there staring at it. Like, what am I going to do now? And, and crying and having a meltdown. Yeah. Like I remember another time, <laughs> this was in COVID times. Somebody had ordered a birthday cake. So I was like back in Pasadena with my family and it was so hot. And my family lived in an old house that 
the air conditioning was always breaking and that and heat is like the enemy of cake making and they wanted like a raspberry mousse filling and that's like already a really soft filling mm-hmm. and the weight of the cake was just like swooshing all the filling everywhere and so no matter how much I tried to and this was back in like the jelly cakes times and the COVID times where I was like filming all my bakes I was doing Mm -hmm. and so like all my reels were like bakes and like this is another and actually maybe I'll share this video with you too because it's hilarious because I time-lapsed the video of this cake just getting destroyed and me just like and it's a time-lapse so it's me like icing the cake the cake sliding apart the cake sliding and then me standing there it's in time it's in time it's a time lapse so you just see me like standing looking at the cake and it's like an oddly long time time up for me to just be like staring and like <laughs> tears like what the fuck do I do now and I start over that's all you can do and then that's money down the drain and then I'm like good thing I don't have an excel sheet because then it would just show me <laughs> negative 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 <laughs> oh my god when you throw cake away like there's no saving that like you couldn't make cake balls out of those well no that's what I would do yeah no it would would be like cake balls for my family okay yeah Yeah. and I feel like um, it's so devastating because it's just like you're just angrily making cake balls at that point because you're like this was a failed attempt at (laughs) me trying to make this moose cake That's where my mom walks in the kitchen and she's like trying to like give me her advice. Mm. And I'm just like, I literally go like, excuse me, if you, sorry if you have an Alexa in your room, but I go, Alexa, play Green Day American Idiot. I don't want to be an American Idiot. You start jamming hard jamming. <laughs> While I'm like angrily like, don't talk to me. Don't tell me what I can do differently next time. I will figure it out on my own. Thank you very much. I'm dead. I love the American Idiot is the song. Something about Green Day is my like, is my rage playlist, you know? There's something about that song also, like the lyrics. I don't want to be in a, while the cake is just sliding down. A little landslide moment while American Idiot is playing. Every passion project has some failures, you know? Oh, yeah. You gotta get back up again. (laughs) No, I, this is not a passion project, but I had a very similar feeling when I would do my science fair projects. So if any of my elementary school teachers are listening, I normally just lied about my project because I didn't want to do it. And I just assumed what the outcome was going to be. And so I would just make something up. And I remember there was this one time that I was trying to, I would like conduct the experiment, if you will. And then I would just fabricate the results. I would set it up, but never actually perform the experiment. And so my like contents and step-by-step process never really made sense. And you know how you have to get those trifold boards where you're putting all the information (laughs) on it. I was putting all the information on it. And my dad comes over and he looks at it and he's like, you know, I'm not really sure (laughs) this is adding up. And I was like, Well, that's really weird because I 100% did this. And I just remember staring at that, like the glues falling off. You can only have a color scheme of two. And I like ran out of construction paper. (laughs) And so it just looks a hot mess. I'm like trying to cut these letters out with my like squiggle scissors. And it's absolutely the most atrocious thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I just remember sobbing and I'm staring at it. 
<laughs> kind of in slow motion, but it, at that point in time, like, I don't think that my iPod touch could do time lapse. <laughs> I'm just standing there in front of yeah. my, like, trifold board, bawling my eyes out. Also did not have the Alexa to play American Idiot. <laughs> I think it, it would have been better if you did. I think it was me <laughs> listening to Adele again on my iPod touch chasing pavements was the song most likely or wrenching yeah exactly and so I'm just standing there sobbing looking at my project and my dad's like well what did you do and I'm like now's not the time now's uh-uh. not, not the time this is what we're now's submitting this is yep. we're not now. making cake balls out of this I'll tell you exactly <laughs> let's make better. cake balls out of life I like that motto. Let's make cake balls out of life. When life gives you a deteriorating cake, we're going to make some cake balls. Mm. Honestly, I think that that's a really happy accident. Like there's a lot of things that could go awry with baking, but as long as you don't burn the cake, well, yeah, sometimes when you burn the cake, you can just like cut around the edges, right? Yeah. I'm making that up. Yeah. And then you can use the inside of the cake. Exactly. 100%. There's always, and, and, and other things it's like, people don't know what the inside of the cake looks like necessarily. So there are also times where like flipping a cake out of a pan, it's cracked in half. Mm-hmm. And, and also at that moment, I have a bit of a anger, you know, moment of anger. And then like, you know what, Jillian, you can do this. No that, one's going to know. No one's going to know. They'll never know. And, and that's just ends up being like the middle tier of the three tiers. So, mm. so it's all, it's the, it's the hearty middle, you know, we're all yeah. a little broken on the inside. I love that. I, that's <laughs> but so at the end, it's just a beautiful cake, you know? Yeah. You don't I love see that. the cracks on the inside. Oh yeah. It, wow. So that's really just a great outlook to have on life. Like, just put the cracks in the middle. Just absorb that. I love that. But, but, you know, we can also sometimes, the cracks can can shine through a little bit. We can have our, you know, our vulnerabilities and our, (laughs) our raspberry mousse gushing out. I don't know. (laughs) The gushing mousse, I guess. I love that. So of all the cakes that you made, what's your favorite cake that you've ever made? What a good question. Favorite cake I've ever made i imagine each one of them had like their little personality that you're like most proud of i could look at every single cake and tell you exactly who it was for what the flavor was on the inside you know Mm -hmm. i loved i loved your 22nd cake so much that was a good one steph's 21st cake was what kind of set off jilly cakes in college yep because before that, I wasn't really baking in college. Mm-hmm. It was mostly just I, for our sorority stuff. Yeah. And then I felt like, um, like the way Jelly Cakes felt earlier in my life, um, it was kind of an identity I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like once I started pursuing it more like in college and doing like weekly cakes, basically, it was more of like, oh, that is how people knew me. Yeah. Um, and I kind of liked that, like, being a step in the door for me because because um, it made me just a little bit more self-confident, I think. But I love this, like, lemon one. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing That's that on your Instagram. Favorite. I was like, is this a promoted thing? And then I clicked on it. It was Jilly Cakes. I was like, no way. That's one of my favorites. That was for um my best friend Abby's 21st birthday. We did, mm-hmm. like, a lemon theme. I loved that one. Um. 
And I also love the tacos. The tacos are what people talk about the most. Yeah. That's like. That's such a fun one. And it's one that um, is so unlike any of the other cakes I've ever done. And then um, another cake that will always hold a special place in my heart. I'll pull up a photo of it. But I would say it was the first like big cake I did back in high school and this is what kind of like set off jelly cakes like in my town it was this graduation cake for my best friend's older brother and then Mm -hmm. I did little college cakes for each of the those are so cute did how did you do the bottom ones with fondant or no I did it with chocolate so what I would do is I would print I would print out the school's logo Mm mm-hmm and then I would take a piece of parchment paper. Oh, first I would flip the image. And then I would take a piece of parchment paper and put it on top of the image so that you could see through it. And the parchment paper, the chocolate wouldn't stick to. And then I would melt different colored chocolates. And then I would pipe the chocolate onto the logo until it like set. It was not, I don't think it was the most time-saving or time-saving or easiest way to do it. Chocolate, melted chocolate is so hard to control. Because mm-hmm. it also hardens so quickly. Yeah. And but it's just like, I don't know where this is going. Yeah. And so once I made that in 2014, that mm-hmm. was nine years ago. Wow. Once I did that cake, then college cakes were a huge thing I did for mm-hmm. the rest of my time in Pasadena where I grew up like um every time high school graduation came around I just did college cakes galore yeah every which is kind of funny because then you kind of it's funny you find a niche that yeah. you find yourself at which kind of makes sense with like a cake yeah. industry or cake business because people don't just have random cakes uh-huh. normally an event but it's funny that it was graduation and then in college it was 21st birthdays and so yeah. having set a sort of like a set routine of what you're looking at and what you're able to provide to people it's really kind of a unique thing I think Yeah. And another fun and, and also along with like my favorite cakes I've ever made, I think have also always been my own birthday cake. Like I love making my own birthday cake because it doesn't have to be whatever everybody else wants. Yeah. Oftentimes what would happen is like people liked this one cake. And so that's all they would order my birthday cake. I could do whatever I wanted. So I got to be fully creative about it. Um, like the most recent birthday cake I made for myself was like a circus animal cookie themed cake. Oh, wow. I love those little like pink and white circus animal cookies. Yep. And so that was like that one that I had made. So how did you do that? I flavored the icing to be kind of like funfetti vibes. Mm-hmm. And then I think I did, I did sprinkles all around it. Let's see. I can, I did sprinkles and drips. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing this. Little circus animal. The drips were a phase, too. Everybody liked the drips. The drips were good. And, like, not good. They were good visually, but also good tasting. I don't know what you did with that icing, but that (laughs) hit. That was, like, crack. Yeah, the drips drips were, like, straight-up chocolate, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Yeah, those were good. But overall... What is your favorite part of kind of having your own business or like passion project that you got to work on? Having a creative outlet and 
being in the kitchen was always like a mind escape, like mind numbing thing for me. Like it always just was very much like somewhat like meditative for me. It felt like, you know, I had a purpose and I was focusing on that purpose and I was like playing my music, that sort of thing. So I love that aspect of it. And then, and you know, the biggest part of it was, was doing something that brought other people so much joy. And I don't think I would have, if it didn't make people happy. Having that meditative practice, if you will, not, I don't want to say if you will, because I keep saying if you will, my dad always makes fun of me because he's like, you say, you get really (laughs) caught up on saying one certain thing. And then you just say it the entire episode. It's never the same thing, but it's always something. And I'm like, I haven't even noticed. So all right. That's well, he, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. He's your mom and his, her critiquing of your cakes is my dad and my podcast. He's like, <laughs> oh, you keep repeating. Yeah, there was one time when you said ultimately like 30 times in an episode and it was kind of concerning. I was like, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> um, but anyways, so meditative practices, having something that you can do solely for yourself after, again, working in the service industry and providing things to other people all day is such a relieving feeling because it's something that you have complete and utter control of and that makes you feel good and yeah. those two things in unison are euphoria I will know I've made it in life when I don't have to wash my own dishes anymore that <laughs> has always been the bane of my existence I will bake up a storm and I'm a very neat baker like I keep mm-hmm. my station clean as I go but at the end of it when it's all set and done and this cake is sitting in front of me and I'm proud of it and I bring it to somebody and they're happy with it and then I have to go home and wash dishes oh bane of my existence <laughs> I would have traded with you if you wanted to do some sort of project with the baking industry I would do your books and wash my dishes you if you baked me a cake weekly I would gain a ton of weight but I think it would be worth it and that okay. would be that would be my financial contract to you Perfect. let's make this happen <laughs> I'm down for it but what do you have planned for jelly cakes is it kind of something that you just see being a creative outlet for the time being do you want to try and form it back into a business I know that you kind of mentioned the idea of potentially tying it in with a work event or things of that nature but I always say eventually down the road I think I will own my own business whether that's alone or with people um I would I mean a dream would be to have a little like bakery by day wine bar by night you know like mm-hmm. fresh homemade like fresh baked breads and pastries and you come for your morning coffee and then you come for your afternoon glass of wine that sort of thing uh, dreams absolute dreams but for now it will remain a passion project so that I can keep it manageable um with my you know with my normal day-to-day work right Um, and I mean starting up a new job there's still so much to figure out and although you've been working in the industry for a while working for a new boss is definitely something that you have to get acclimated to you have to figure out what your commute to work is like and now that you have also taken on a new component with that brand ambassador you're also trying to figure out all that so definitely not trying to say like Jilly, get on the cakes. Like <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but I want to. But like, yeah. yeah, I um, I I definitely will make an effort to have 
jelly cakes be more a part of my current job than it has been with my past two jobs. In my past two jobs, it didn't really exist at all. And mm-hmm. with this new job, there's so much um, more space for that, I think. So I'm really excited about that opportunity um, because I know that because she is so supportive of me and so open to any ideas I want to bring to the table. So if I told her like, hey, weekly, I want to make a new cookie flavor. I want to post about it and say, you know, pop pop up in the future perfect tasting room a little pop-up shop for jelly cakes like come get your brown butter toffee chocolate chip sea salt cookies you know I'm there Um, I'm flying out and like just like just little things like that I think would be really fun because also it gets people through the door of future perfect and then there we go and then we're selling Mm -hmm. wine and we're selling cookies yeah boom boom and that's truly I don't think a better combination of sugar and wine. That's pretty much yin and yang. Fruit. Yeah, well, and and also cake. And it provides something for, um, for, for people, for like all people too, like a lot of times people will come in with their kids or people under the age of 21 or people not drinking, things like that. It's like, then it provides something else to offer other than wine. Yeah. I love that. And my final question before we wrap things up here, what advice do you have to people that either want to start up a business or they have a passion project and they want to continue fostering it? Know your worth, but also don't get caught up in that. Um, Do what you love. And at any point you don't love it, put it on the back burner to focus on what's bringing you joy and filling your cup. Know your worth and set boundaries. Love that. That's my advice. I love that. That's pretty succinct. And I don't think I could say it better myself. Like that really ties everything full circle, like from what you're doing currently to what you majored in in college, making sure that you're always following your passions and making sure you're doing things that make you happy and that fill your cup. That's huge. And that is Jilly for lack of a better description. Your boss's name might be Sunshine, but I would say I would categorize Jilly as Sunshine as well. So holistically, just very happy and very upbeat in following passions and making sure that everything is done, not to perfection, but with care and intentionally. And I think that also is a part of who Jilly Cakes is and what your brand is and going forward, probably what's going to set you apart from all these other people, because it's what set you apart to get this job and be someone's first employee. You've been intentional and you do things and you care about things. And like you said at the beginning, you don't half-ass shit. You do things with your whole heart and that shows and you'll be successful. And I'm so excited to see everything that you do. And I'm so happy that you're doing things that are filling your cup and making you feel good. And in utilizing your major like no one does that and maybe no. that's because your major was absolutely crazy bonkers and what it was crazy called bonkers. but crazy bonkers I love it <laughs> oh thank you so much thank you for having me I'm so glad that you came on I'm so glad that we caught up okay. thanks Jilly for coming on I really appreciate your time and so glad you're doing some great things out there in California and I'll have to see you soon